Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Good morning, everybody. Some quick announcements before we get started is, uh, you know, just the regular stuff. If you've been watching or coming or hearing Sam talk at all, you know that we do this every Sunday morning. We meet uh, in person. There's seating outside to be safe. There's some seats inside as well. And uh, we, we do this live on YouTube as well. So in some way, form, or fashion, you're always invited to join us, either uh, here in person or online, and we're happy when you do. And then on Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock, you can tune in for Take Two, which is a little bit of a different take on uh, Sunday morning's talk. So uh, you can write in questions, join the conversations, typically Sam and a guest, and they discuss uh, whatever Sam has been teaching on Sunday mornings in uh, maybe greater detail or at least a different perspective. So welcome to do either of those things. Join us live on YouTube or in person. Sam is not here today, so you are stuck with me. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I turned my head to cough with the microphones on my ear, so... It really didn't have the effect I thought it might. <laughs> so uh, I don't know about you. If you've been tuning in on Sunday mornings or on Wednesday evenings, and if you've been listening to the series that Sam has been going through, um, I, I don't know. If it's just I don't, it can't just be me, but it's been so helpful, and it's been such kind of a a, a challenge to my perspective and to the things that I've held on to for so long that it's. It's really been an eye-opener, and I appreciate that because sometimes in our faith we can let things get stale, and it should never be that way because life with Jesus is an adventure. So if you're able to tune in and check out some of um, what he's been talking about, you will be, I will speak for myself, but facing some of my own issues and my own garbage. But I think that that goes for everybody. If you haven't felt that way yet, maybe you will soon. Because he has this kind of digging, right? Digging and excavating and like uh, kind of confronting some of those misconceptions we've had or, or hold on to and at the same time looking for more, looking for those moments that he's been calling kairos, right? Like this, these moments that God is stepping into your life and maybe you haven't even noticed. Um, and so he has, at least, like I said, from speaking for myself, kind of looking for those moments where things are happening around me all the time, and sometimes I don't even recognize God's fingerprints on them unless I 
take the time to put on my, my lenses, right, and, and see uh, what's right before me. And what's interesting, I was telling Sam, what's interesting for me, too, is I'm able to look back even on things that have happened to me over the last year or two years or five years and, and see that I missed those moments, too. I didn't see Jesus in the moment, but now I see what he was doing or I see what was happening. And it's been, uh, it's been pretty cool. It's pretty interesting to know that. Uh, when your exact instinct might be to run and hide because you've blown it, that in those moments actually of repentance, God is leaning into you and he loves you um, beyond what you maybe even think or could expect. So it's been heavy. Sundays have been heavy and uh, life has been heavy. And if you've been watching the news, I've tried not to so much. But the world, the country, our state, our city, our community, it's been one heck of a year. And I, I feel like there's a good, you know, a good half of us maybe who are longing to get back to the way things used to be, and another half that's just longing for something new to happen. And uh, maybe you are on one side or the other. Uh, but as these moments take place and as these things happen, look for those Kairos experiences to be present with eyes that are looking for what's God, what God's doing in, in your life and around you. Um, speaking of lenses, I broke my glasses like three months ago and I still haven't replaced them. So everybody's a blur right now. <laughs> so I'm not uh, wearing contacts if you're wondering. <laughs> I just can't see that well. Um, I have sunglasses for driving. So, um, Anyways, so with all this happening in our world, with all the stuff that's been going on, my loss of glasses, <laughs> everything else, um, it has been just a lot of heavy, heavy stuff, life stuff. And uh, maybe recognizing that God is moving in your life, even in the little things, even in your own repentance or your decisions that you're making. When you see God moving, I think that is just kind of a much-needed perspective changer and helps me break through this sort of uh, imposter reality that fills my social media feeds. Uh, this, this idea that everybody's got this perfect life, even though I know what our world's going through. This idea that we're only posting the, you know, the, the glossy stuff, the good stuff, the, the best part of life maybe on social media might give you the impression that everybody is living a better life than you or that they're not going through it or they're not struggling. And just to be clear, that's not true. So with all that Sam has been sharing and that kind of deep dive, I think, into, into our faith and all the excavating and digging he's got us going, he's got us doing even his homework, I thought maybe we keep it on the light side this moment and scratch the surface. And so I'll start with a simple little question. What are you afraid of? <laughs> 
It's funny, Jason, you spoke about fear this morning, like just kind of as part of our world, right? It's what we've been dealt. And uh, on some level, you know, be it the, just what's happening in the world or what's happening in your own life, this idea of fear and the things that we're afraid of. What does that look like when we're at the same time looking for Jesus to interact in our lives? So, what are you afraid of? It's not that I'm afraid to die, said controversial filmmaker and actor Woody Allen. It's just that I don't want to be there when it happens, he said. Stephen Wright, uh, philosopher and funny man Stephen Wright, once said, what happens if you get scared half to death twice? <laughs> These are dad jokes, I'm sorry. I have a fear of speed bumps, but I'm slowly getting over them. I have a phobia of German sausage. That's true. I fear the worst. <laughs> Three of you got it. Or it just wasn't that funny. I read the story about a guy who um, had a, a fear that was demobilizing him even into his adult years. He'd had it since he was five years old. He was afraid. This irrational fear that there was somebody under his bed. The boogeyman, right? We've maybe been there in our childhood. So he goes to see a psychiatrist and he says, I've had this fear for 25 years and I still feel like there's somebody under my bed. I can't sleep at night. It's constant, like, nighttime fear, and it's just, I'm tired, and I'm getting, I'm, I'm losing relationships, and work is becoming harder because I'm not sleeping well. And the psychiatrist says, give me a year, come see me three times a week for a year, we'll help you face this fear and get over it. And the man never went back. And sometime later, they pass each other on the street, the man and the psychiatrist, and the psychiatrist says, hey, you, you never came back. What happened? And the guy said, well, I did the math, Doc, and I, I really couldn't afford what you were charging. And he said, but I met a bartender that solved my problem in, for about 20 bucks. <laughs> and, the, and the psychiatrist said, kind of with some snark, oh, yeah, and wh- how did he fix your fear? And the man said, well, he told me to chop the legs off my bed so nobody could fit under it anymore. Now I'm sure there's nobody under my bed. The shortcuts we take. Today we're going to be in Mark chapter 4, verse 35. We'll start in verse 35. But first, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you love us, that you tolerate my bad jokes, that you are meeting with us in Kairos moments every day, whether we recognize it or we don't. Whether we see it or not, your fingerprints are all over life. The things that we fear and the things that we cherish. And Father, I pray that today, as we open your word together and we look at this very familiar passage of Scripture, I pray that you would speak peace into us the same way you calm the water and the wind. So we give this time to you. 
We thank you for meeting us here. We thank you for calling us your kids, your children. And we pray, Father, that you would, again, move, change, make us more like Jesus. And we pray it all in his name. Amen. Mark 4, starting in verse 35. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, his disciples, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And the other boats were with him too. And a great windstorm arose. And the waves were breaking on the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was asleep in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear, and said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? There's a running gag that the answer to any question, interview question in a beauty contest, the answer should always be world peace. Because that seems to be the go-to answer. The thing that our world needs most is love, sweet love. But it looks like peace when it shows up in the storms of life. So it's been said that our current society is actually the least contemplative, the least contemplative society in history. The least contemplative, meaning that we are busy. We keep ourselves busy, and when we're not busy, we busy our minds with TikTok videos or Instagram. We make ourselves busy. We do not like peace. We do not like to sit in solitude. And generally speaking, some of you might be like, oh, I prefer that. I'm, I'm a parent. I have a toddler. I would love some solitude. I get it. But generally speaking, our society has become uh, schedule-oriented, task-oriented, nonstop. We respect the hustle. We glorify the hustle. We make life busy. And we need peace. We spend more time making, earning, building, oftentimes than we do living, serving, sitting. A Martha world, you might say, when we need the better thing to sit at the feet of Jesus. We need to be a merry world. That's not to say, however, that Jesus wasn't busy because when we get to this part of the story, we know that he'd had a crazy busy few days, right? 
And just this day, when we get to the end of the day, we know that he's exhausted enough to go take a nap in the back of the boat. And so we know that from the scriptures, from earlier in Mark chapter 4, we know that he was teaching the parable of the sower to the crowds, the lamp under the basket, the parable of the seed growing, the parable of the mustard seed. He had spent himself giving, and he was busy. And he was spending himself doing all these things, and it, when evening came, when, when it was time for the crowds to disperse, typically they would go back to Peter's house in Capernaum and crash. It's kind of the hub at this point in the ministry. But this day of all days, Jesus says, no, let's get in the boat and let's go to the other side, which they say was probably a two- to three-hour trip. After a long day of ministry, of teaching, he was tired. Did he want a Lakeview trip? Maybe. Did he want to just relax and sleep? Maybe. Was there a lesson to teach his disciples? Absolutely. And so here he is at the end of a long, hard week. Some of his closest friends, some of his 12 disciples were seasoned, rugged fishermen. We know that uh, Peter and his brother Andrew, James and John, they were all fishermen by trade. This is, they had a business together, and this was probably their boat or their fleet of boats. And we know about these boats because they discovered one in 1985 at the bottom of the Sea of Galilee, is that they're about 27 feet long, and they would seat 8 to 15 people. Not a, not a huge yacht, um, but big enough to have a, a cushion <laughs> where Jesus could rest, and small enough to have these fishermen freaked out when the storm came, the great squall. Uh, I've seen Moana like 27 times this week, so I'm familiar with what raging seas look like. <laughs> my daughter. My daughter has like three go-to movies, and we just continually watch them on loop. Uh, here's what we know. Storms like this one in our story can happen when you least expect them. Particularly in this sea, it's said that these kind of storms, they, did, they happen often, and they happen, they happen suddenly. So because of the way the cold air and the dry desert sand, you know, air meet, that uh, what looks like calm waters could change into a, a storm within minutes. Generally, spreading this out to your life and mind, storms can happen when you least expect them, when you are not prepared at all. Sometimes we bring about storms in our own lives. Sometimes other people cause storms in our lives. Sometimes storms happen for no other reason 
that we could find out, at least in the moment. But you can be in the absolute center of God's will. You can be hanging on tight to Jesus, and a storm will still come. And that's what we find out right here in this text. The disciples were just doing exactly what Jesus wanted. He was, he was like, let's, let's go to the other side. Let's get in the boat. Let's go. They just were following instructions, verse 30, 37. And then this happens, right? The great windstorm arose, the great squall. Waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. So I'm going to ask you guys to put on your imagination caps this morning and travel back in time with me to this 27-foot rickety boat that was used for fishing. And this happens. The great squall, a windstorm, a thunderstorm is what uh, science says happens all the time in this part of of the lake. And the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. Whatever you have to do, close your eyes, imagine that. Imagine sitting in a boat that is filling up with water and this windstorm, this thunderstorm is occurring all around you. You're, you're getting splashed. You're stressed out. Imagine the sounds you're hearing, the creaking, the cracking, the wind, the thunder. Imagine you're not a fisherman. Imagine you're a tax collector, and this is not what you're used to. Imagine being afraid because you think you're going to die. Just be here in the moment. The great squall, the perfect storm, the waves, the wind, the creaking, the fishing boats, men shouting, buckets swooshing, tension, arguing, anxiety. And where is Jesus? Verse 38. He was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. This is one of my favorite passages in the Bible (laughs) because I like to sleep. I'm like, look, Jesus, just slip right through it. I love how uh, it says the cushion as if there's only one and Jesus took it. (laughs) There's one cushion on this boat and he said, that's where I'm taking my nap. This verse, I think, for me, when I read this, it's all at once comforting and exasperating. Because if we're applying this at all to our lives, maybe we can admit this morning that we've all felt the way these men feel. Things are happening all around us. There's stress, there's noise, there's arguments, there's anxiety, there's a storm. Whatever that might look like in your life. And in this moment, these guys just want to be saved. But in this moment, Jesus is asleep. And maybe, just maybe, you have felt that way. God, why won't you take this pain away from me? God, why can't you help me through this time? I'm, I'm, my loved ones are sick or... 
I lost a job or whatever. Maybe it's not even that drastic. I got a flat tire in traffic. I blew a tire, had a tire blow out. Whatever it might be. We have come to these moments where we're like, where is God? I pray, I follow him, I worship him, I love God. But in my time of need, is he sleeping? And then they found Jesus asleep, right? And this is the this is the cry. Our life is in disarray. It's too much to handle. We can't bear anymore. Wake up Jesus, or we're gonna die. And so they go find Jesus in the stern. Where are you? They woke him up. And it doesn't tell us which disciple said it. But the disciple said, Teacher, do you not care that we're going to die? Don't you care? God, don't you care? We're going through it. We're in the middle of it. I don't see an end to this problem. I don't see an end to my grief. I don't see a financial way to pay my mortgage or my rent. I don't see a way out. Where are you? Don't you care? Because I don't feel comfort. I don't see a solution. Where are you? That's what these guys were going through. And you might feel blasphemous or you would never admit these things or you'd never say these words out loud. Maybe you feel shame or embarrassed to ever have sunk so low. Or maybe you're angry and you feel emboldened and justified. You know, there are, I read about five lawsuits, five times where people around the world have literally sued God. Some of those cases were dismissed. Um, They all didn't have the outcome, I guess, that somebody might have wanted. But people have come to that place in life where they were just fed up. God isn't, you know, he's not, he's not doing what, he's not holding up his end of the bargain. Sam and I talked a couple, I don't know how, three weeks ago on take two, and one of the things that was brought up was this idea that people often, um, you know, we say the sinner's prayer, and then we think that everything's going to be good, like life's going to change, and, you know, um, I brought up the story of one of my uh, old co-workers, a friend of mine who was going through it, was having a really rough patch in his life, and um, it was 2 o'clock in the morning, and we were in a recording studio, and he was crying, and we were all, like, huddled around, like, everybody was weeping. And I started talking to him about Jesus, and he was just like, look, man, I tried that already. He said, my, my sister, she prayed the prayer, she went forward, altar call, like, you know, six, just six months to a year later, she's married and happy and has horse property. Like, she got all the stuff, and he's like, I said the prayer, and like, everything fell apart. And I was just taken aback, like, this is, this is, I mean, I, I get it. 
This isn't really what we signed up for. We didn't sign up for horse property. <laughs> we signed up to be in the boat with Jesus. In the middle of it, through it, sometimes there's no answers that satisfy what we're going through. Sometimes there's no resolution in the moment, in the hour, in the day, in the year that we're going through something really hard. And this is, this is the bottom line is this is where faith, the rubber hits the road, right? This is it. Do I still believe in the hard times? Or do I file a lawsuit? The funny thing in all those lawsuits is no one ever said, I, I want to sue God because he's not real. They all, they all believed in him enough to know that he is real. But he just didn't do what they wanted him to do. And so... Emboldened, <laughs> uh, justified in their thinking, they thought, I'm going to get back at them and I'm gonna, I want to make this public. I want this to be public knowledge that I sued God. In the boat, in the moment, with the storm, with the waves, with the wind, with all the guys swooshing buckets around and all the anxiety and fear and everything that was happening in this moment. These guys, you, me, we've been through a lot. And they're, this whole thing, this whole thing, almost unbelievable Jesus is asleep. <laughs> Can you believe that? Verse 39. And he awoke, and he rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, Peace, be still. So I try, uh, I try putting myself in this scene too. When I read the scriptures like this, these stories that I've heard a million times, I always try to put myself in the scene. And I want to know, I want to know, was, was, you know, like in the, in, the, in the dramatized version of this, Jesus walks to the front of the boat, puts his hands out, and says, you know, very emphatically, peace, be still, and everything calms down. But I, I also wonder if he was just so tired that he was just like, Peace be still. The wind ceased, and there was a great calm, it says. A great calm. That sounds good. Someone has said that if you went through 2020 without learning solitude, you wasted it. If you didn't deepen your prayer life because of 2020, you wasted what 2020 was for. I don't know about that. I mean, like I said, if you have kids, solitude was hard, for, hard to find last year. But again, with your imagination cap on, picture this scene with me in slow motion. The boat, the rugged fishermen, afraid for their lives. The storm, the waves, the sounds. Jesus gets up and he calms the storm. Maybe he whispered, peace. And part of me wonders if in this command to the water, to the waves, to the winds, peace, that's all he needed to say. And maybe the be still was for the other guys in the boat. 
because the calm, the great calm came over them too. Peace, be still. Be still and know that I am God. Peace, shalom, be whole, be still. Be still. There is so much going on in the world. There, there are mental health issues. There are political issues. There is racism, divisions at every junction in life. Friends who you grew up with are no longer your friends. Family members don't talk to each other anymore because he's on that side and that side is evil. There is still much stress about sickness and COVID. And there is loss. There's a great sense of loss over the last 12 months, loss of loved ones. Sickness, loss of jobs. Now I think we're on to alien invasions. Or it's next. There's no end to the, to the propaganda and the conspiracy theories that further divide us and pull us apart. People are mad at each other for wearing a mask or not wearing a mask. People are mad at each other because vaccine or no vaccine. People hate the word systemic. People are labeled as liberal or conservative. And there's nothing in between. It seems that whatever it is, the, the media, the politicians, philosophies, whatever it might be, we are constantly looking for ways to separate ourselves. And not in a holy way, but in a contentious way. We're constantly on the lookout for ways to accuse somebody or to convince them that we're right. And Jesus wakes up and he walks into the room. You know, that in the movie scenes where it's like everything's in slow motion, maybe except Jesus. So all the sounds kind of become muffled. And he walks in on, on the top of the boat and he says, peace, be still. And everything changes. Like that. A great calm. Imagine having, uh, imagine having faith like that. Like you're on a boat in the middle of a crazy thunderstorm and everything's falling apart and you're asleep because you're not worried. Imagine having so much faith in God that your soul rests when there's so much contention in the world. Imagine. There's COVID, there's uh, all kinds of junk that's just been dumped into our lives. Peace. Be still. 
in my imagination, Jesus turns to his disciples and he says, why are you still so afraid? And the question, the loaded question, right, what he's really saying is, you've seen me perform miracles. You've been with me through all of this. You've sat through days of me teaching about the kingdom. And you're still afraid. You're still living and grappling with this fear. Do you still have no faith? I once heard a pastor, he talked about this idea that Jesus had a nickname for his disciples and it was ye of little faith <laughs> as if it was a term of endearment oh ye of little faith you know <laughs> like he wasn't being mean when he said it he was being like oh, come on you guys and that's kind of what I think I mean I, I love this whole idea that he's exhausted he's asleep the storm's brewing he doesn't care Boat's rocking, he doesn't care. The guys are getting angry and yelling at each other, and he's just like, be quiet, I'm trying to sleep. And then finally he goes, okay, you want me to do something? Peace be still. I'm going back to sleep, because <laughs> that's what I would do as a dad. I'd be like, man, you guys need to get your stuff together, settle down out here. I'm still tired. <laughs> but he goes, and then they wrestle with this. These guys who have been with him, who have heard him teach, who have seen water turned into wine. These guys who have witnessed Jesus do amazing things. And they say, who is that guy that even the wind and the waves obey him? Like this is a defining moment. This is a kairos for these guys. These guys are, these guys are like... Holy moly, in one instant, death was certain, and the next instant, total calm. And so, I don't want to over-spiritualize this, but I do know what we're going through collectively. It's been hard. I know that there's divisiveness and uh, anger towards each other because of circumstances that are being manipulated around us. I know that these are Crazy times. And we can call that a storm if we want. So much of what happens in the lives of the disciples are shaped by spending time with Jesus. By this idea of solitude, uh, uh, Jesus himself spent time alone. Recharged the batteries, if you will. Spent time with his father. One-on-one time. And so, again, this idea of being in the middle of the storm to Jesus who is anchored by his faith and love and the Father is not shaken, is not stirred, is not afraid. But these guys around him, they hadn't developed that yet. And so wherever we are in this, wherever you are in your stress level, your anxiety level, your sense of loss, your sense of lack of purpose in the middle of everything that's going on in the world around you. I pray, and I pray this for myself, that we find the time we need to sit like Mary at the feet of Jesus and worship him one-on-one, that whenever these storms come, whenever we face a storm 
whatever the magnitude, we can also rest like Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for your word that instructs us, that teaches us, that challenges us, uh, that shapes us, that gives us hope, that reminds us that we're not alone in the middle of it, in the middle of any crisis. We're not alone. Thank you for establishing a family here at Genesis. And I pray that you would make that, uh, you would bind us as one and that you would grow our relationships deeper so that the surface level stuff that we disagree on doesn't become something that, that divides us but actually unifies us. I pray that you would, uh, whoever is hearing this, Father, that you would speak peace into their lives in the middle of these times. Be still. Our hearts need to hear it. Our souls need rest. And I pray, Father, that you would help us to um, live beyond our fear and in faith because you are good and you love us. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.